everybody. Welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 302, being recorded on May 28th, 2014. I'm Ryan Shrout. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. And I'm Alan Malentano. And I do not have to look down at the date on the show notes this uh, time when it's the second time around. Uh, Josh, I noticed uh, you had cleaned up your office there. I think it did a pretty good job painting the walls hey, and everything. Hey, thanks. I, I appreciate it. I, I put a nice whiteboard behind me as well. Oh, it's for illustration purposes later exactly. in the show. Yeah. Later on, no, I will explain... No, that's his list of ready reviews. Yeah. No. I'm, I'll, I'll go and explain Looks how not funny. to woo women mm, in graphic woo, woo, detail. How not to. Okay. Yeah, we can do that. Uh, well, welcome everybody to the show. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, we record the show live, which I guess you always have to record it live. But we also happen to stream it live as well. We do that on Wednesdays at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific at pcpro.com slash live. If you want to be part of that group, and it's a great group. We've now moved away from Mibit's IRC servers for our chat and moved into our own custom servers because apparently... Um, 100% less spyware. Yeah, a lot less spyware. I noticed at the end of the show last week, I was like, why is why did an EXE download to my computer Flash Installer Pro? Yeah. I thought, mm, that's a problem. I looked up, and the only thing that was really open left was the Mibit window. So, uh, and I think uh, Bug Smasher, it's all the same thing. I'm sure several other people did as well. I did as well. So we got rid of that shit and uh, moved on. It's gone. We hope we promise to only provide you with the nicest handcrafted malware from now on. <clears throat> right, yeah. I mean, if we're going to... That will mine coins for us. <laughs> and, and, and to be clear, um, if you want to sign up for the best spyware uh, malware list, you should go to pcper.com slash subscribe. And uh, this website here is not actually used for that. It is a mailing list for our live streams. If you want to get a reminder when we're going to stream live, uh, either for the podcast or for uh, like uh, we've, we did in the last couple of weeks, we did a, a stream with Gigabyte. We did a stream with Asus, both of which included prizes and uh, free stuff that you could win. And you missed out on those. It's because you weren't on our PC Perspective Live mailing list. So if you go there, give us your name and email, and uh, we sign you up for that. And we don't use it to send you Flash Player Pro installers most of the time. Most. Most of the time. So let's talk about crap that happened this week. There was actually quite a bit. It kind of all snowballed here at the end of the uh, – at the well, I say end of the week, but towards the end of our podcast week. Let's put it that way. Uh, let's see. Let's start with uh, another 4K monitor review. Asus PB287Q, not to be confused with Asus PB278Q, because the 287 is a 28-inch 4K monitor, and the 278 is a 27-inch 2560x1440 monitor. So quite different displays. And in fact, if you go to Amazon and search PB287Q, the first result is the PB278Q. You might think, wow, I found this on this great deal for $489. It's not, the, it's not the right monitor. Don't do that. So uh, this Asus PB287Q is a 4K 28-inch monitor. It is essentially the same panel as what we saw with the Samsung U28D590D a few weeks ago. It's the same screen. It's a TN panel, uh, but it's a better-than-TN design I think most of us have agreed upon. Uh, it still has color shift. It still has um, you know, some color differences when you are looking at it at uh, you know, different angles or any, any kind of off-axis design. It, you know, it has it quotes great specs, one millisecond greater grade response time, 10-bit color, but it, it really comes down to how it works and how you use it. And I think... Um, you know, even though the, the panel is the same, the actual 
architecture of the, of the monitor is the same. The, everything else about this monitor is actually quite a bit better than the Samsung. For example, the stand. And, and this sounds kind of weird to literally focus on the stand of a monitor, but when you're comparing two displays that are so similar every other fashion, it makes sense. Uh, so if you look at this stand here, you can see that this is kind of its default position. It looks like a normal uh, Asus PB line of monitor stand, but it has height adjustment. This is something the Samsung monitor did not have. It has the ability to go into a portrait mode, which I have to scroll on my tiny resolution screen here to show you. You can actually, so you can have a 2160 by 3840 monitor if you want to do that. And you can kind of see here, we've got some side-by-sides in our review that show the Samsung next to the Asus monitor and some of the functionality differences. Also, the Asus monitor has a Visa mount which the Samsung did not have. And surprisingly, I think that's a feature that a lot of users really want to make sure they have on their monitors. Um, even if you don't take advantage of it right away, I feel like it's something that people like to have for that flexibility down the road. Uh, the bezel is a little bit different between these. The Asus here on the right-hand side is a flat black finish, while the uh, Samsung is shiny. So that means maybe some glare, maybe some fingerprints, that type of thing. Buttons configuration... Not usually that big of a deal, but it's kind of cool that um, of the buttons in the back here, they're actually on the back. Two of them are configurable in the menu system, so you can set them to be volume or brightness, or you can set them to be quick access to picture-in-picture or picture-by-picture functionality, uh, which is which is kind of nice. Input connectivity is the same. You have a DisplayPort connection and two HDMI connections, and you have two audio outputs as well. Uh, one for headphones, one for pass-through. That is an output there, yeah. Uh, you have to use DisplayPort to run 3840 by 2160 at 60 hertz. So you want to make sure that you uh, have a DisplayPort 1.2-capable graphics card. Pretty much anything in the last few years is going to meet that uh, without an issue. We talked about the screen quality already. Josh, how would you characterize you know, what you saw of this monitor at CES? I mean, it was... It's still a TN panel. It's not IPS. It's not PLS. It's it still not has, again, like like you mentioned, it has some shift. Um, the colors are a little desaturated from what I remember, yeah. but not badly. But uh, it more than makes up for it by kind of how shallow the, uh, well, I guess for lack of a better word, the, the pits are and uh, the pixel density. So when you do move more from side to side, you do not get a significant a shift. And so you can, you know, kind of adjust the, the colors as well to, to improve that. But, yeah, for 4K, for that much money. And, I mean, if you're going to be doing work on it every day, it's not going to kill you. And certainly it's not going to kill you when gaming on it. Right. Yeah, I, 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 think, it's, uh, I think it's a good monitor. I don't think it's a great monitor um for people that need absolute perfection in terms of color reproduction it's probably not going to meet the standards that you're used to if you have used ips displays if you have used um you know even something like samsung pls or whatever it is well doesn't asus have another monitor that except it's a 27 inch 25 by 14 that's yeah yeah. around that same price and it's it's 480 dollars instead of 650 and it's the 278Q instead of the 287Q. Now, that's, that's not going to be very confusing No, it couldn't possibly confuse anybody. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, 
but it's, this is a good monitor. And again, I guess we haven't mentioned the price yet. $650, which is $50 less expensive than the Samsung as it currently sells on Amazon. Um, that That's obviously a, a big thing. One, one thing I noticed when, when using this monitor um, for the last week or so, you really have two options when you're using this with Windows 8.1, right? Or any operating system for that matter, right? If you run it at 100% scaling at 3840 by 2160, chances are the text and the icons are going to be too small for you to really use at a standard viewing distance for a monitor. Um, so as a result, you'll probably go into Windows and go into the settings that are titled change the size of all items, and you can scale it up to 125, 150, or 200%. I found 150 to probably be the most desirable option. Enabling old guy mode. Yeah, and not even old guy mode. It's just enabling, please don't murder my eyes mode, <laughs> perhaps. Uh, but you lose some of the extra real estate there. So your your screen of 3840 by 20x60 no longer actively kind of appears to have the equivalent increase in resolution in real estate. Instead, you're getting slightly more real estate with a much sharper image, right? At least on text and things that are rendering in the correct way. Uh, you know, if you look at, uh, you know, so this is 3840 by 2160, and this is maybe not the best way to demonstrate this, but you can see how much of one browse you can get on there. You can get too wide across. You can get tons of information on a screen all at once. And this is with 150% scaling on that. Um, however, there are still instances, like if we look here at this picture, where some applications are just a pain in the ass when it comes to this wind- integrated window scaling. right? If you look at this text uh, that's rendering in, Internet Explorer, it's very sharp, right, compared to the text being rendered in Chrome. Now, some people have tipped me off to some modifications and some changes you can make into the Chrome options menu to disable, you know, its own internal scaling engine and tell it, force it to kind of use the Windows scaling engine. But it kind of sucks that you have to go through that process to really enjoy the 4K experience. Uh, (laughs) This is what an application that has not been updated in a while, uh, how it reacts to seeing a scaled Windows interface. You can see there's like lots of tearing and backdrop and, and backgrounds kind of being misrepresented there. Um, so there's, there, we, we have some, we have some, we call that abstract uh, frames per second. Oh yeah. It works yeah. out well. Matches with everybody's self-proclaimed performance as well uh, of their graphics card. Speaking of performance, if you're going to game on this monitor at 3840 by 2160, you need to have a lot of GPU horsepower. This is just a few examples. Battlefield 4 running a 4K on the Ultra preset, 28 frames per second with a single 780 Ti, and uh, going up to 47 frames per second with a pair of them in SLI. Uh, Crisis 3 under the high preset, not even the very high preset, only ran at 47 frames per second with two 780 Ti cards. And then Metro Last Light is a very high preset. Only able to cross 38 frames per second with a pair of GTX 780 Ti cards. So Boy, this, this kind of reminds me of uh, when the first 1920 by 1200 uh, monitors came out. Yep. And we had the, uh, what, 7800 GT and GTXs that were kind of the higher end cards at the time. Yep. And they could barely push playable frame rates at that resolution. And now we've hit the 4K, and, it, and it's and good, right? This is this is why GPU vendors are excited about 4K, um, because this is a reason to spend the high end dollars on graphics cards. Something we've talked about on this podcast for a long, long time is how much performance you can get for 150 dollars, right? If you're gaming at 1080p, 150 dollar video card is pretty much 
you can get away with doing almost all games at that two hundred dollars, two hundred fifty dollars for sure. Uh, and then we saw twenty five sixty by fourteen forty kind of attempt to take over the next resolution space. And I feel like the four K price drop has been quicker than most people expected. Uh, you know, now that we're down to six hundred fifty dollars for a single stream version of a four K sixty hertz monitor. That's, well, I mean, the twenty-five awesome. by sixteen panels have never really gone down in price. No, but the twenty-five, well, the twenty-five by fourteen have come down. They quite have, a bit, right? You talk about mono price selling them for three fifty, three sixty. But boy, I mean, when the I remember when the first uh, thirty-inch twenty-five by sixteen came out, they were two thousand bucks, twenty-five hundred yep. bucks, and still with the IPS monitors, those are eleven hundred bucks. So they never went down like. The rest of the monitors did, so it's nice to see the 25 by 14s. And plus, it's like they're striking fast with the 4K to get them down to it, where it people actually buy them. Like we went from literally the next step up in 4K monitor is $2,400. So we go from 649 to 2400, right? And that's to go from the TN but single stream configuration up to an IGZO multi-stream which is more complicated and hassled for setup and everything there's like nothing in between what i need now is uh a thousand dollar option that is like ips yep or pls and single stream and single stream yep. right give me that as the next option up for another 300 bucks or something uh and, and i'm sure we will see that also the next step could be uh how about we see a g-sync version of this you might want to skip yeah. Few. Well, I mean, well, Acer kind of announced that, yeah. but they didn't announce availability and they didn't announce pricing or anything. So we don't really know what it is. And to be honest with you, G-Sync has kind of fallen off the face of the earth. It was announced in October yep. and we saw one monitor released and not even really released. It was more uh, they sold some of the um, uh, upgrade kits. Which we wrote one up. Yeah. And we sold – and they sold some of the monitors through like uh, – uh, system builders and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, and we saw a couple models at uh, CES. Yeah, but nothing actually for sale. Right, right. And CES was in January. We yeah. saw probably four G-Sync monitor announcement at uh, CES. Yeah. So you know, there are still ways this monitor can be improved. It could be a better s- screen panel for sure. It could be IPS or PLS. It could be G-Sync enabled. Um, right. It could be adaptive sync enabled. But in reality, that's not even a thing yet. Yep. Um, the, the stand is awesome. The price is awesome. Uh, and I think that the technology behind it is awesome. It's not a perfect monitor, but it is, I think, significantly better than the Samsung for $50 less. Just because of the stand, if anything. Right. And, and that's yeah. pretty much all it is, right? It's a stand. And, and the Asus still has picture-in-picture, picture-by-picture. It has all the same features and options that the Samsung did. Yep. Uh, it's just a better structure behind it all. So I uh, think... Uh, I think everybody's just waiting for the panel cost to come down, really. For, you mean IPS version? For, well, I mean, because this is pretty cheap. Well, I'm I'm with you, but like as as far as G-Sync panel releases, right? Because then you have to pay a little bit more anyway on top of that. Yeah, I mean, so the panel should be the same cost. Yes. Right, so... the the up price would be whatever kind of NVIDIA is charging for licensing and for their extra controller... Uh, yeah. You know, to a company like Acer that would integrate it onto. I assume that the Acer monitor that we will see is this same this same panel yeah. with G Sync module kind of installed and up and running. 
I, ju- I just think that, like, because we were only seeing these panels recently, mm-hmm. right, the TN-based ones. Mm-hmm. So all those other guys were probably kind of waiting for, A, the panel to come out, and now, B, you have to let yeah. those guys ramp up their production. And Yeah, I mean, we could drive down, we could dive down the yeah. whole uh, G-Sync bot. I mean, we haven't even seen, we haven't seen another 1080p G-Sync monitor. Right. We have not seen a 25 by 14 G-Sync monitor. Yeah. Actually for sale, which sucks, because it's an awesome technology. Uh, now, if, if only we could get a 120 hertz model. There you go. That's what I really want to That's going to be some serious that. bandwidth. 4K yeah. IPS G-Sync, 30, I want 36 inches. Because really, when you have 4K resolution, you can blow that up a little bit. And yeah. I think 36 inches is, is the right size for that. So, I, And I, I want it 399. I'd like to see standard. <laughs> yeah, 399. I mean, call me old school, but Thank I'd you. like to see Thank I'd like you. to see a 30 inch of the standard like 2560 resolution yeah. G-Sync at greater than 60 hertz. That would be nice for me. That'll never happen. I don't know. I don't know. 25 by 16? No. 25 by 14? Even that. There's a 20... There, there, Asus, the Asus um, Swift, ROG Swift, that's a 25 by 14 120 hertz G-Sync panel. It's not IPS though. It's not? I'm pretty sure it's TN. Yeah, it's TN. Okay. Well, that's pretty close. And now, I think mm-hmm. that one was going to be the same price as this monitor. When they were announced at CES, it was this one. It was the it was or, or the, the other it was one. It was the 4K yeah. or the 25 by 14 G Sync, and they were both targeted at 799. And now this actually launched at 649. So yeah. <clears throat> we'll see if the G Sync one drops. I don't in understand well. why they do not drive IPS panels up to 120 because there's no physical limitation with these modern panels that they can't do that. I don't know. I mean, they may pull a little bit more power to do that, but there's no reason they can't. I think it kind of, I don't know, because TN does have faster switching time, even though it's kind of really not, you know, when you compare actual switching time of IPS versus TN, it's really not a huge difference, right? It's, yeah. uh, but yeah. I think, but I think that, that the whole TN thing has just kind of got stuck in like the gaming mindset where they just assume the TN panel is faster. So then the gamers are asking for the TN panels to be, Sure. A higher refresh, yeah. as opposed to yeah. you know, and people, and then people uh, just automatically assume the IPS is oh better visual quality. They don't need updating that quickly because they're probably not gaming on it. Mm. Which we'd like to see both, of course. But I just yeah. think, as far as mindsets go, I think that might have been why. Like, you know. so that monitor is going to be available. Uh, the ASUS PB two eight seven Q is not available till June tenth. <clears throat> it will have uh, a price of six forty nine. And uh, I'll be curious to see, like, if the Samsung monitor drops in price because of this. Uh, and maybe, you know, if it's $50 less, do you care about the stand as much? Do you care about the right. other stuff? Um, I think probably Yeah, but would. Samsung has now overshadowed Sony in terms of brand recognition and quality. So do you think, really, that they're going to try to compete with Asus? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, it really it really depends on what happens to them in terms of sales right They're, they would have to be reacting to a sales change uh you know on amazon and on Newegg and things like that like i mean the monitor i bought is the korean version right they have they yeah. have they have had no problem selling their stock of u.s models through those outlets so far um but we'll see i, I mean but i don't have a i don't have a i don't know how many of them that actually is are they selling 500 or are they selling 5,000? yeah I'd, I'd be very curious so i will say for this particular model though it looks like the Samsung is not the higher quality panel between. The yeah, two. it's not right, and and, yeah. and I think it's. Well, I mean the panel is the same, but I mean the product as a whole, yeah, like the, the stand and everything. Yeah, they, they just yeah. 
didn't make the right decisions with it. I don't yeah. know. Uh, all right, let's dive into perhaps the uh, other most important topic. Not 4K monitors, guys. Apparently, apparently AMD and NVIDIA don't like each other. No. I read that on a forum someplace. Yeah. You read and, it on Forbes? And as it turns out, they don't like each other, and they're willing to kind of go out publicly and talk about this. And I read it on Forbes. Um, <laughs> so NVIDIA has this program called GameWorks. And in it, it, it is uh, an evolution of the idea that a hardware vendor like NVIDIA or ATI or Matrox or Intel or whatever creates these demos. They create these um, demonstrations of their technology. They say, hey, software guys, hey, game developers, here's how we figure out how to do shadows. Check this out. Using this new hardware feature, we can do the sweet shadow thing, right? And here's the code. We think you should implement it into our game. So you're talking like the things that start off with all those really cool demos that we yeah, see. Yeah, like when we when I would go to an editor's day or when Josh would go go to an editor's day. Yeah, they would be like, check out check out this werewolf guy and the fur on this guy. Isn't that yep. amazing? And we'd all go, ooh, ah. And then you great. never see it in the and actual you never, game. You never see it again, yeah. right? So <clears throat> in October, Nvidia announced GameWorks, and at the time it was kind of murky about what it really meant. Um, but what turned out to be is uh, they basically kind of got tired of that process of giving developers these ideas and this code mm-hmm. and almost never seeing it implemented into a game. Okay. So their solution was, let's create a middleware package. Right? And people who don't know what a middleware package is, it's just basically a piece of software that sits between code you're writing and the hardware and helps you do certain things easier. So, so kind of rather- like a set of functions? Yeah. So okay. rather than saying, I've got to figure out how to render hair and how to get it to interact with the environment, yep. you might say, have a library uh, called TressFX or HairWorks, right? And you, well, not TressFX, but HairWorks. And you would say, generate me hair with these properties yep. and give it to me. And it kind of spits it back out. So you're using it in the form of API calls, and it's giving you back data that you use in your game okay. as opposed to you have to create that stuff from scratch so that's what middleware does and there's stuff um, that exists for physics for foliage for you know AI there's all kinds of middleware tools that game developers and game engines utilize so is this like a separate API or is it just something like more code that they would just compile into their game GameWorks so it is a it is a piece of middleware now so basically what GameWorks is is it is a collection of tools, a bunch of them. Uh, you know, TXAA, mm-hmm. PhysX is part of it. HBAO Plus, which is ambient occlusion. Uh, Hairworks, Faceworks, Waveworks, weird other things like that, right? Okay. And, and a game developer, game developer could decide to say, I want to use that feature in my game. Mm-hmm. They implement that particular library, and they use it. And then that library gets compiled into into the game. Into the game, okay, right, right. That's the, well, I mean, so, the DLLs probably exist independently, but it's the game is calling it as if it is its own internal. Right, it's library. added to the game. Yeah. yeah. So, um, Nvidia decided to go down that route. Now, uh, there have been four GameWorks games released. Uh, let's see if I can remember them offhand. We have Batman: Arkham Origins. Yep. Um, Assassin's Creed Four, Black yep. Flag. There's the one that you just... Call of Duties. Call of Duty Ghosts. Yeah. And then Watch Dogs. Watch Dogs is the new one. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, AMD kind of had this... They they were worried about something, so they kind of went out and talked to some of the press about it. And they were worried that the the fact... 
that, that they were positing was that as a library, it is a black box. And a black box means that the uh, developer says they're using API calls. Give me hair that looks like this with these properties, and, and we'll use it in our game. Right. And, and it, the, the library goes, does all of its math and crunching and spits out an object, and that's what you get. Okay. Uh, the black box part means you don't know what is happening inside that process. So it is more like a DLL then as you were. Yeah. 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 So uh, the, the problem for that, obviously, for AMD is that if NVIDIA is providing a middleware application to a game developer, the fear and theory and potential issue is that NVIDIA could, either accidentally or maliciously, make it so that their libraries perform very poorly on AMD hardware. I can see that. And you can see why that would be a problem. Mm-hmm. You can see how it would be bad for the community. It would be bad for 35 to 40% of the people who are running AMD hardware in the PC gaming market. And how it would be, um, uh, you know, it'd be it would be so bad for those Dirt Three Showdown players to <laughs> enable lighting on NVIDIA cards. It would be odd if there was suddenly a rendering engine that was fully supported on AMD hardware that was not supported on NVIDIA hardware. I know. Yeah. So that, I mean, the the interesting thing is, so well, wait a minute, that, was that's a, a little bit different though. Right, it is because Mantle is kind of its own. Well, that's not Mantle. This was just like a lighting engine oh, okay. showdown a while ago. All right, but um, but nobody ever played that game, so it's true. <laughs> it's kind of true. Sorry, Josh, you kept asking us to, and I never would. No, no, actually, I never asked you to play Showdown. Oh, it was never just showdown? Dirt Three. Dirt Three. Okay, yeah. I still won't play that with you either. Okay. Um, so basically, AMD's claim is that because of its closed nature. It's inherently going to present problems for their users down the road. Okay. Right. And the and AMD does similar types of things. They they will you know give you examples of here's how to do hair, here's how to do tiled lighting, here's how to do, um, you know, super sample anti-aliasing. But they are providing code. That's what Nvidia used to do. Nvidia still does. Oh, okay. Like they still have all of those old code samples, yeah. but they have kind of migrated towards GameWorks as a middleware library. Yeah, they just. Obviously, if they have that library, they'd want to show that instead of... Right. They're pushing that Or in addition to... Yeah. 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 In reality, they really are pushing GameWorks instead of the code samples, even though you can still find the code samples. Okay. But the idea of the code sample is that it's just code. And so NVIDIA could go to this AMD developer website and download it. And they could say, well, what does TressFX do? What does Tiled Lighting do? How can we make sure this works well on our hardware? So that if a game does implement one of those kind of AMD techniques... We're at least competent at it. And AMD's problem is because it is a closed black box, you're getting a pre-compiled DLL. They didn't have the ability to go in there and do that. Okay. And as they said initially, developers didn't have the ability to do that either. So a developer could not dissect the code of the library. Right, because they don't have the source. That was that was the claim. As it as right. it turned out, uh, that was that was part of. AMD's claim was that, hey, developers don't have access to this. We've mm-hmm. tried to present them with solutions on how to fix performance issues in GameWorks titles. And they've come back to us and said, well, we're, we can't implement that because we don't have source code. So I guess before we move forward on that, I'll stop you there. And like we've reviewed hardware, AMD and NVIDIA, mm-hmm. right? And we've obviously, we must have reviewed GameWorks titles in the past, correct? Uh, yeah, we, we've used them. So was there a, a difference so far? I guess, between those two. I think it's fair to say that Batman Arkham Origins performed better on NVIDIA hardware than on AMD hardware, yes. Okay. But 
without knowing exactly why the right, 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 difference right. is there. It's impossible to say for sure one way or the other. Okay. Um, Call of Duty Ghost was not really a super um, GPU-intense application, so it wasn't okay, hard so that, either way. Assassin's Creed 4, I didn't actually do any testing with it. But from okay. what, I'm, what I've read, I think it's, it, it favors NVIDIA in that as well. Okay. Right? So, but, I mean, AMD's had titles that have favored... Right, so, so you're not talking well. enormous, like, this is just... No, 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 no. We're no, just no, like nothing, that. Nothing huge. Right. Right. Yeah, one goes at <clears throat> 12 frames per second with 8-bit color, and the other is full 32-bit at 60. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That uh, would be a problem. AMD but, uh, was able to cite a specific comparison. Not only that, but NVIDIA downsamples the music and sound <laughs> to 8-bit. So when you're playing Watch Dogs, it's like the 80s all over again. The retro guys love I it. I like it. I like it. So um, AMD was able to... You know, cite a specific example, even though not in a game or anything like that, because AMD has Tress FX. That was their hair technology that they introduced uh, with Tomb Raider. Okay. Right. And I'm going to ignore the fact that NVIDIA had huge problems with it when that game launched, even though that's a, co- a competing point. Sure. Right. NVIDIA has HairWorks as part of their GameWorks platform. Okay. Right. Now, and you know what? Both of these technologies are lost entirely on me. You haven't seen how hair moves in years. And I don't need to. <laughs> don't need to. But so if it wasn't a- closed source, you could install it yourself, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? It, it's got these plugs, and it looks terrible. Bosley, look it up. Yeah. Although they have to take it from somewhere, so keep yeah. that in mind. <laughs> Why do I suddenly have curly hair? <laughs> <laughs> so TressFX launched, and it had problems with NVIDIA. But because it was an open thing, you could go download it and look at it. Yeah. Um, it was able to be fixed. Eventually, okay. Uh, NVIDIA's GameWorks has an application in it called HairWorks, and AMD says that today, AMD and NVIDIA hardware perform almost identically on TressFX code because it's just direct compute code and it's available and people can modify it and change it. And okay, they can make it work on their hardware. What about the HairWorks thing? HairWorks, they are saying uh, AMD hardware performs six to seven times slower than comparable NVIDIA hardware. Now, what's interesting about that? is that I have no idea where they got that number from. No game uses HairWorks today. And even if it did, it wouldn't use it like as the entire part of the scene. No, it would not. Right? right. But they're, they're basically saying it, it's presenting a seven times harder hit on the frame render time than it would with on NVIDIA hardware. Mm-hmm. Now, again, I don't, I don't want to put too much weight behind that because it's not in a game. It's not affecting yeah, a we, frame Yeah, we can't rate, even prove it if I we wanted to. Yeah. yeah, That's just something they were saying was the case. Now, NVIDIA's response to all this was that they could that the developers have access to the source code, right? And that well, was wait a minute, you just said that they didn't. Well, that's what AMD said, right? And they pointed us to if you look at some of these tweets here. Um, these are from April sixth. Uh, Johan Anderson, lead dev over at uh, Dice, doing the Frostbite engine, you know, saying Nvidia lost a huge amount of respect with the unusable black box game works. And then uh, Bart here, who works at Ubisoft, actually says libraries and DLLs with only parameters to pass, no source code. Intel is much better. Uh, and then uh, Michael says uh, can't understand a money model. Pay to hack games with features blasphemy. So this this is kind of the evidence that AMD is putting out there. It's like, look, this is these are public statements by people on Twitter saying that they don't have access to source code. Okay. And when I talked with NVIDIA, they said, well, they do have access to source code. So okay. how do we rectify these two things? Well, as it turns out, uh, in mid-April, NVIDIA has uh, – what do they say it? They 
evolved their source licensing approach based on feedback from developers and recently made source license or developer partners for all GameWorks technologies other than those which run exclusively on NVIDIA. Okay. Right? Which would be TXAA and PhysX. Those are yeah. ones that only run on NVIDIA hardware, so there's no, no effect on AMD. Sure. So much of AMD's argument loses its bite when you find out that they do developers now have access to the source code because right. with that access to the source code they will be able to kind of optimize if they if a developer sees that hey AMD's hardware is performing very poorly in some feature mm-hmm. of GameWorks they can go in and look at it right and in yeah, theory, the actual game if AMD developer has can. a developer on site they might be able to go in and do that as well I don't know how the licensing works but whatever that's up to them right um, so it kind of puts a lot of AMD's kind of direct claims in question. Um, right, and and it, granted, that is recent that they did this yes. as far as opening it up. But I I wouldn't so I wouldn't say that they did it as a knee jerk or something because of what AMD's argument was. It sounds like they not did, because of today. Yeah, this is over a month ago they did this. Right, so. right. Uh, right. It, I think it probably took too long for them to do this because that means that four games are essentially developed without With access black to box, source code, right, without yeah. access to all of the source code, because in, in NVIDIA says that some of it was always available, but only some of it is coming into play now. Right. Right. So the potential was there for there to be a problem, but the this this whole debacle started with Watch Dogs. Watch Dogs launched, AMD started their kind of campaign. Um, it was picked up by a couple of outlets saying, right. hey, this is really crappy. The only feature that uh, runs... The only feature of GameWorks is actually implemented into Watch Dogs that mm-hmm. runs on both AMD and NVIDIA hardware is HBAO+, Ambient Occlusion. They're kind of custom ambient occlusion integration. Okay. Right. TXA is integrated, but that only runs on NVIDIA hardware, so it doesn't affect AMD performance. So that's just the lighting thing you're talking about, right? Ambient occlusion, yes. Yeah. Some things yeah. in front of the light. and Yes. Okay. It's, it's how, how the shadows interact with each other. Okay. Uh, and it adds detail to it in a way that probably most people don't really notice it while they're playing a game anyway but beyond that so ambient occlusion is the only thing that actually runs on both AMD and NVIDIA hardware when you look at it the performance impact of ambient occlusion is the same for NVIDIA as it is for an AMD okay so the the you know NVIDIA states that look ambient occlusion performs I think their quote in here is less than a millisecond difference in performance on AMD than it does NVIDIA. Okay. So why in AMD is coming out with these claims, particular to Watch Dogs or with the release of Watch Dogs, is somewhat questionable, uh, and that it doesn't really kind of, it doesn't really make sense uh, because the game doesn't use face works or hair works or sure. wave works or anything like that. Uh, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, and I agree. Right, so. Yep. I think basically what it comes down to is AMD is afraid of what could happen, what what the possibility of game developers really buying into GameWorks could mean to them if something like that happened. And I think for their perspective, you're allowed to be afraid of that. Yeah, but I mean... And they're, they're just trying to be preemptive about kind of getting into that conversation. To, but to use it on this game in particular just seems like weird in the first place because there really isn't that much of an effect. Right. And it's complicated by the fact that AMD performance is much lower in Watch Dogs than NVIDIA performance. Kind of across the board for Watch Dogs. Right. But, but if you just disable that one but feature... But if you just disable HBAO, it's then still the bad, effect right? of GameWorks is, is taken out and the performance differences are still there. Yeah, so there are so other issues bad. involved right. that aren't related to GameWorks. Sure. 
how and, those kind of grok and come together. Yeah. And then, is, on, is and then on top story. of that, they're now they're open sourced to the developers that are in agreement. So yeah. if I mean they're out there. I mean they're not public domain out there. They're not just everybody right. can look at them out there. Right. But I would imagine a game developer looking at that source now, they spot something that clearly just benefits Nvidia and bashes AMD. It's it's gonna get out. So you got to look at it from this point of view. Why, if say the worst case scenario happened for mm-hmm. AMD and Nvidia's GameWorks libraries somehow detrimentally affected AMD performance in a dramatic fashion, right? Game developers aren't really stupid. So why would they do that? In my in, in the story here, I, I posit there's only three options. Money, apathy, or value. Mm-hmm. Like, why would they continue to integrate GameWorks if they saw something like that happen? The money option would indicate that NVIDIA has worked out a financial deal on the business side to integrate GameWorks. We're going to give you X millions of dollars, integrate GameWorks. Oh, and by the way, make AMD look like garbage. That's kind of conspiracy It's very conspiracy theory-ish. Yeah. I'm not saying it's impossible, but as a game developer... I would hope you wouldn't try to ostracize 40%, 35% of, right. of, of one portion of your market. Right? The second option is apathy. Apathy is a developer that doesn't give a damn about the PC version of their game at all. They're really focused on the console. And PC, sure, here, fine. Oh, well, GameWorks makes this easier for me. There's some drama about the politics of it. I don't really care. Right? So whatever makes of, it easier for me but that's kind of the extreme the apathy saying apathy is kind of the extreme of that right like they yeah, just because i'm going to develop consoles for both amd graphics and then i'm going to go to pc and degrade my performance on amd i, I well, agree well right but i mean you're basically to say it's apathetic is like that's going on the assumption that amd is definitely like worse than NVIDIA using this particular implementation to the point where the developer knows about it and doesn't care. And doesn't care. Right? So but not, not that they're getting paid to. They right. just don't care. So if there is really a very minor difference between the two, mm-hmm. then it's, then it's instead of apathy, it's just efficiency. Right. It's, hey, there's this tool set. It's free. We yeah, can just, you know. but you're apathetic about the other 35 to 40% of the market. Sure. Right. The third option, that, which was uh, value, and it would be if the features offered by GameWorks were actually valuable to the developer. They actually felt that it added quality to the gameplay, quality to the visual effects. Yeah. And they thought, hey, the potential for this is worth it because we think we're doing these, this great stuff. And we'll work around any of the potential issues as they happen. Yeah. And as you know, Unreal Engine 4 is going to have a lot of game work stuff in it. Right? That's going to be the okay. engine that is going to be dominating the next two to three years of game development on consoles and on PCs. Right. Which portions of it get GameWorks and stuff, I don't really know. But those are kind of the, the three options there. And I, and I tend – I want to give developers the benefit of the doubt to say that they're not greedy assholes and they're not stupid. Yeah. Maybe they, they are both They could be both. They could be both. Absolutely they could be both. We don't know. But I don't know for sure. And, I, you know, we saw kind of the call out from uh, Johan and some of the Ubisoft developers where they're – they're not apathetic about it. Right. And they weren't greedy about it. Right. They weren't being paid off. They said, hey, fix this. And NVIDIA changed it. And maybe NVIDIA should have done that first. Yeah. I'm not going to argue with that. But it seems like they had been pushed in that, in that regard. And so I think it's fair for AMD to be very vigilant about these things. And if they feel like they need to go public with some of this stuff so that we are paying attention to it, then, then they have accomplished that goal. Right. 
I, I agree. I agree with the argument, but I just feel like the rug kind of got pulled out from under him by the fact that it's been more than a month and the yeah, it's kind available. of it's it's confusing to me that they would come out and in the conversation I had recently, I mean, it was yesterday where they would say point blank, developers don't have access to source code, right. and then Nvidia come back to me and say that's not correct. They absolutely have yeah. access to source code, and I kind of go, well, these. These are two entirely polar opposite sentences that are somehow leading to this story. Right. right. You were going to say something, Josh? I think it was Jeremy. Oh, you had to ask Oh, Jeremy? That. Somebody? It was Jeremy. No, I think it was me. <clears throat> but you forgot. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of a corporate thing to do. You don't give away your IP. You don't show the competitor a more efficient way to do something. And so... Probably when GameWorks first came out, they're like, you know what? This gives us an edge that we feel that we can really benefit from. So yeah. we're not going to open this up for our competitor to see what we're doing, even though I think that the technology included in here is as good, if not better, than what they have. And so why wouldn't you hide it? Why wouldn't you protect your yeah. IP? I think... I think the last thing I want to mention on this, because we've been talking about it for way too long, is the comparisons of GameWorks to Mantle have come up several times. And AMD Mantle is... So, AMD Mantle bifurcates the it's developer totally, audience, it's, right? Yeah, it's a it's, completely different API. Right. Um, you have to write the game, and right. the engine has to be written so, differently so, to use so, that other So, the API. difference is that AMD says that Mantle doesn't affect NVIDIA's performance. If, if, a, if a developer writes Mantle, it doesn't do anything to NVIDIA's performance because that other code path still exists. Yes. Right? Which is true. And their claim is that GameWorks doesn't necessarily do that because if a game, if a developer develops you know, something that takes advantage of GameWorks features and those GameWorks features have to run on AMD hardware, now you are potentially affecting yes. AMD performance. But I, I, I think that... AMD created Mantle because they wanted to move the industry forward. They were trying to be a catalyst for a change. They thought that lower overhead was something that was necessary but wasn't being pursued by Microsoft or the rest of the industry strongly enough. So they created Mantle. Yep. And they were attempting to start something cool. Mm -hmm. And they did. DX12 probably got moved up because of it. And everybody's now focusing on overhead in a way that they weren't before. Yep. And they got a nice checkbox feature. They did. Yep. Now, NVIDIA claims that GameWorks is that same thing for them. They say that uh, things like Flameworks and Hairworks and Waveworks and Faceworks are moving the industry forward in a way that no other game developer has the time to do or no other middleware developer has had time to do or is willing to do. And if, this, if, if all this means is uh, a game like Crytek, the next iteration of their engine, says, well, look how cool they did on that, look cool stuff they did with Flame on Flameworks. Yeah. Well, we don't want to use that because it's just NVIDIA-specific. We'll write our own, but we'll make sure it looks as good as that or performs as well as that. Yeah, I mean... It, it, it's the same type of catalyst idea. I think it it's a bigger really stretch is, of yeah. an idea, but it's, that's well, their it's, claim. It's, it's, it really is very similar to just a programming library, right? I mean, it's, it it's not the same exact thing, right? You, you don't want to program everything in assembly, right? Sure. You're going to use a, some kind of code base, something that has libraries to it, right? So this is just adding another layer... Right of what, but you know, just ease like of use. just like with oh come with, on reinventing the wheel is fun <laughs> in <laughs> assembly but with, with, with yeah roller coaster tycoon yeah with um with with mantle 
like it's cool to say AMD wanted this to be a catalyst and move things forward. Yep. But I think AMD would have also been happy if every developer said Mantle's the best, screw NVIDIA, we're going off on our own. That's true right? too. And they wouldn't have said, Oh guys, no, slow down. We want to, we don't want to we don't want to lose NVIDIA. Yeah, in no, this. No, no. We don't want to take seventy percent of the market share. No, no, no. Right? So NVIDIA's not gonna do that either. If every developer wants to use GameWorks and it happens to run best on NVIDIA, they're not going to go, no, guys, don't implement your own flame technology right? so that we don't look that much better than what AMD has. So neither of those things are going to take place in a publicly held corporate you know, structure. You know, along those lines, the, the, the point that I think you're getting at, or at least I'm, that I'm perceiving you're getting at, is that it almost seems like the AMD route was more disruptive. Because you have here's yeah. a completely separate. You have to like redo your entire engine to function under this completely different set of APIs versus yeah. versus here's a set of tools that will you know make it easier or maybe more efficient or whatnot to to do yeah. things within what already exists within it, the existing. I would agree that it's more it's more different right than what GameWorks is because that's a totally different API. Like you're, you're yeah. totally leaving everything else behind. Whereas chances are, if you're using GameWorks, you're adding it to, like you already have a Flame system in your engine, Yep. but I'm going to add Flameworks. And if it happens to make NVIDIA cards look better, so be it. Um, but if you don't, then you can fall back to your own, right? That would work out fine. But if, you know, there's other complications. I don't know. I would encourage everybody to go read that editorial um, that I wrote. It's only a couple of pages. And it's probably not nearly as long a read as this listening to this discussion was. <laughs> um, it's true. But I, I thought it was read it. it was clearly the most important thing that happened this week. And it just happened to, ha- happened to happen this morning and uh, through this afternoon. So, um I guess we'll run through some news real quick. We got sixty seconds of story. That's what we're going with. Okay. Sixty. And After we're going we sucked purple. up sixty minutes on what? <laughs> yeah. Well, we talked about a four K monitor first, so there was something else involved. Uh, let's talk about. Uh, is your laptop going to wake up? Uh, it's thinking about it. You think maybe know. it will? Okay. Uh, Windows eight point one decided is that to your update. Free Ultrabook? Like right? Yeah, it is. Yes, you I'm know sorry. what? I made you sit in that seat. You said, "Sit down, Alan, right here." <laughs> yes, you he did. He even has his own ultrabook now, and he's still. You need a yes, charger. and you have one. I do, and it's better than yours. It is. Yours is still running right now. It is. Yeah. All right. Crucial launching uh, MX100 mainstream SSD series in June. What do we know about this? Anything? We don't have samples yet. We do not have samples yet. We do not. But what do we do? We know anything about it? We saw we saw some leaks come out, right? Um, that basically said, "Hey, uh, it's a new two and a half inch SSD." Yep. It's the MX100. It's kind of the successor of the M550 or 500. It's using okay, so it uses the same controller as the 550. It's okay. the newer controller. Yep. It, it actually from from what we we were on a press call about this. Yep. And from the press call alone, it kind of seemed like, well, this. You know, we can't talk about that yet. What? I'm Can't just talking talk about, about the specs. Okay. Well, like I'm not. I'm not, not going to name them. Oh, okay. Right? So, like, like the difference in the specs, it was almost like, well, this is. Uh, it seems like it'll be a cheaper model, yep. but it seems to have a lot of the hardware of the better model. Right. The, the rumor is that it's the big change is the switch over to 16 nanometer flash. Yes. If that were true, what would that benefit? Just lower cost, better performance, lower performance. It would give you. Well, it would definitely give you lower cost. Okay. Because it's much cheaper to produce. Okay. The flash on a, on a smaller process, right. right? It's just simple, you know, simple math there. Um, well, as long as you've got good yields on wafers. As long as you have good yields on wafers, yes, that's true. Um, I'm afraid that they, because the the 16 nanometer stuff, 
actually, I'm not even sure if it's uh, larger per die, like more capacity per die as well. Mm. Okay. Um, depends on if they're just going to make the die smaller and get more on a wafer, or if they're actually going to make it roughly the same size and more you know, cram twice as die. many bits on right. you. Yeah, um, it's, it looks like it's... <clears throat> I was not in on the call. You were not. Yeah. Josh wasn't even on the call. I saw a couple of sneak uh, photos, and it looks like it's more capacity per... There's like four cells in what was once... Okay. You know, one or two. Yeah, so that's good. So yeah. then, you know, if they're going to get more, um, well, then it, it just works out more bang for the die. So they, they right? did give us a statement that we could post because there were leaks. The actual leaks happened before our conference call about there were. it. So they gave us a statement that said uh, that they were going to launch it in early June. Uh, chances are Computex is in early June. That would make sense. Yeah. Um, it's a competitively priced 2.5-inch SSD based on Micron's new 16 nanometer chips. Oh, that actually is... Statement uh, and will be the successor to the M500. Uh, the high performance M550 will continue to exist. So, um, yeah, it'll be kind of like a I don't want to call it like a pro versus an Evo if you wanted to relate it to yep. Samsung because that uses triple level and all this other stuff, but that's just using a smaller process. It's still supposed to be MLC. Yep, I haven't heard TLC come from anywhere, right? So, hopefully, it will be um, 10 cents a gigabyte and <laughs> 900 uh, megabytes per second. That would be well. It's SATA. If I ask for an IPS 36 inch 4K G Sync screen for 399, I think I can ask for a 10 cent. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say you yeah, forgot the refresh rate. If we're going out, if we're doing our pre Computex predictions, and they're going to be as dumb and as ridiculous as possible, I'm going at 10 <laughs> cents per gigabyte. Well, okay, so 10 cents. It, I would argue that at some point, 16 nanometer is going to get to 10 cents a gigabyte. Alan has Boxwell SSDs he could sell to you for at 10 some, cents at some, <laughs> at some point, right? Like, I mean, Fair enough. You know. All right, that was more than 60 seconds. Um, NVIDIA Tegra K1 benchmark spotted. Jeremy, do you know anything about this? Yeah, well, sorry, Francois, but uh, it looks like the K1 uh, matches out with an HD 4000. Uh, now, the good news is, of course, that's not Intel's latest APU, and in a way, comparing a mobile processor to a desktop is kind of strange. But really, when they're running Ice Storm on the K1, assuming this is not completely and totally made up, sure. they're getting 25,737. It's a lot of numbers. Which you can contrast to the 4000, which is 25,630. Either oh, way, snap, Francois. that's gameable. That, that is decently gameable on a mobile device. You're, you're not doing 720p, but, you know, it is going to make a tablet almost a legitimate gaming device, which is kind of a nice step. Assuming, of course, that this rumor actually does turn out to be true. Yeah, except when you've got a cell phone <clears throat> that's really low power <laughs> and still has a 2500 by 1600 resolution. Yeah, but you can, you can run pixel soon. doublers and stuff like that, right? Yeah. Oh, sure. And also, oh, and I'm sure they will. And also, this phone has to be battery-powered. Batteries. Yeah. Uh, and so I would be curious to see how much power this Tegra K1 is taking up. Well, and the A15 is not super power-hungry, but it's it's not exactly sipping it either. Yeah, but keep in mind, this is a Why totally is my hand GPU. so hot right. while playing this game? It's going to have a 40-millimeter fan. All of our problems will be solved. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I mean, a lot of the mobile parts are doing the automatically scaling themselves back based on heat and power yeah. draw. And I actually so. had my Nexus 5 do that to me. 
the other day. And it was noticeable? No, 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 where it said it was slowing down because it was overheating. It oh. told you that? It said uh, we are slowing thing, we are slowing <laughs> processor down until the temperature goes up. Or goes did it tell you down. not to dip it in cold water to cool it down? <laughs> I was, no, it did not tell me that, but it was probably a good idea. This is a problem Josh never has. I've never seen it on an Android device before. I've seen it on iPad many times, but I was doing – well, the was, iPad does the, like, it's in streaming, your car. Um, iHeartRadio, and I was doing GPS, and the screen was on full brightness because it was bright outside, and we had the windows that didn't have the AC on. There was a lot of Really? And it threw up a... It just threw a little... It actually, it actually wasn't even a pop-up. It was like a notification. Huh. I got a notification, and, said, and it said, like, things may operate a little bit slower until it's cooled down. I thought, I thought it was actually a fairly interesting way of kind of presenting it. I think that only happens on the new iPads, though. No, it's happened on all my iPads. Really? Like, if no, I'm sitting outside it, reading it, in the sun... The iOS device will just refuse to work. Once yeah, it just gets, stops. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The black but, screen but with a little like sitting in the thing. sun. That's for what I meant. Half an hour. I, I, oh. I didn't mean it did, the iPad would do notification. Okay. You, know? you know what's kind of interesting is that my children exhibit the same behavior when I have them do yard work. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird, and it only they could be outside playing in the pool or something all the time. And it's no yeah. problem. Uh, put the phone in the water, and yeah, that's another pick. Another thing I should do. Um, last week, we had uh, Leon from Gigabyte out here to talk about their Z97 motherboards. If you missed any of that, and shame on you because you missed your chance to win a free motherboard, uh, we posted up those videos on our website in a news title, Video Perspective, Gigabyte Z97 Motherboard Roundup. And uh, you can see we have one video here that looks at the Gigabyte Z97 Motherboard Overview with Leon and the other video that goes through the software demo as well as our Q&A process. So if you want to learn about uh, their OC series of motherboards, their mainstream series of motherboards, their black series or black edition, what that means for the boards, definitely check out those videos. It was uh, really cool for them to stop by and uh, encourage them to come back again and maybe we'll get them to give away even more products instead of just one mother. Instead of just one motherboard, give away like a hundred motherboards. <laughs> Everybody that's in the chat will win a motherboard. Hundred. Who are you, Oprah? We want a Quaycon style pyramid of. That's right. Bees. Uh, we <laughs> talked about this earlier, so we won't really touch on it much more. Acer kind of pre-announced that they were going to have a 4K display with G-Sync at Computex. Um, Does simple- that mean like they're just going to have one there? Like for people Probably. to look at? <laughs> you mean, will they never sell it? Maybe That's my point, because there were plenty know. of them at CES. So yeah, it's, I, I would... You I did would, see the Franken PQ321Q. That's at true. CES. That's true. At CES, they had an oh, Asus PQ321 that they had hacked in, but they said this will never come out with a G Sync. Oh. It was multi stream, it's much more complicated. Um, so this is a 60 hertz 4K. Uh, Single stream, chances are it's the exact same panel that we've already talked about with the Asus and the Samsung. Yep. Uh, they just have to implement a G-Sync monitor in it, uh, or G-Sync technology in it. Uh, flickerless, which Acer says is implemented at the power supply level to reduce screen flicker. Low dimming, which sounds like an ambient light sensor to dim the monitor in low light. And comfy view, non-glare screen. It's a great name. What a horrible, horrible feature name. So they had to put a name on the thing that people it, used to actually, always get anyway? Yeah. It's labeled as a TN panel with the claimed 170, 170 degree viewing angle, which is exactly what the claims of the Asus and Samsung monitors are. Okay. So um, I think G-Sync actually makes more sense on a 4K monitor than yeah. on like a 1080p. Because that's where you're more likely to go on a low frame to go, but, but like going between 30 and 60 is very common yeah. when you're running at 4K, even if you have a lot of... Like hardware. at 47... With your two seven eighty TIs, yeah, and we're at yeah. thirty eight on Metro Last Light. And I'm so, curious yeah. to know if this implementation doesn't have that little. Remember that little window we saw where it would kind of hop over between, like, a, was a twenty four and 
Yeah. Something. Well, it was when it dropped. You mean milliseconds? Or frames no, per the, second? No, the frames per second. Like, oh. it would... There was, like, kind of like a little dead zone. Yeah. It, um, yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if they fixed that now. Yeah, I would hope so. I think that's a firmware thing. So, we'll see. Uh, so, we'll talk about that more once it officially gets shown or whatever the crap at Computex. Um, now, we're going to talk about the top PC games of April, according to Raptor without any... That's uh, Raptor. Raptor. Any. Jeremy, anything interesting in these numbers? This was... Raptor is the company that... Um, puts together the AMD Gaming Evolved app for them to kind of compete against uh, NVIDIA GeForce Experience, but they just kind of sent out this, hey, you know, we record a bunch of game usage <clears throat> for millions of people. Here's game usage. What was kind of interesting in it? Anything stood out to you? Well, apparently I don't play anything popular. Well, I, the only thing I've ever played comes at, at number seven. And uh, Dota 2 is not number one like it was on the... Uh Yes, and it has yeah. been very high up. But Le- League of Legends is kind of ridiculous at fourteen and a half percent. Well, and what does that what does that percentage mean? Well, it means that I guess of anyone playing that subscribes to Raptors tracking, and that's how much share they've seen over uh, however longer game, time of total gameplay time. Fourteen yep. percent of all gameplay time of people using Raptor was League of Legends. So what is this Raptor thing? Raptor is what I just said. It's like AMD's answer. Raptor was a was a utility before AMD was involved. Okay, okay. okay. And it's kind of like a program that you run that has um, friends lists. You and remember it? Crossfire, Xfire? Yeah. You remember so, a tool yep. called Xfire? Yeah, I remember that. There it's, you go. It's that. So this might just be a it's matter friends of... friends lists. It's, it's... I don't know. I mean, it's it's definitely skewed, right? Because not everybody's using Raptor. Yeah, like just maybe a lot of League of Legends guys like to use Raptor. It's very possible. Word no, spreads it's, and everybody it's very, else. very, very possible. You know, yeah. League is the most popular PC game in the world. Yeah, but it is. Oh, okay. That's Still, what they're saying. Yeah. Like, but we I mean, knew that before this. Yeah, we've heard that before this. Anything else stand out to you here? Elder mm. Scrolls Online. New. This I is for April, I didn't think that it way. would be up there that high. It of course, because April, it's new. Right? It's yeah, going to belly April. out to the bottom within a month. <laughs> sad to see. Yes. Uh, sad to see that uh, if you look at the bottom of that graph, dropped out Titanfall. Titanfall went from uh, what was it before? Like it was. Gee, the, what happens? You take two of the, the best gameplay 10. modes away, and suddenly people stop playing your no, game. No, no. This hap- This is only April. They didn't oh, take okay. those game they modes away until May. But. Uh, <laughs> The drop off in Titanfall has got to be bad. More people play Gary's VOD than Titanfall. <laughs> <laughs> people, and I think more Star people Wars are the still playing Skyrim. That high. More people are still playing Skyrim. Yeah, but it's but mods. Skyrim's awesome. Mods, thousands of mods. Yeah, but Skyrim's what five years old now? Yeah. No. No, eleven, eleven, eleven. It's not five years old. Uh, three years old. Three years old. Yeah, three years. Well, not even quite three years. Has it really not even been three years? It seems like nope. forever ago. It's the, because Feels the books like are so huge, it makes you yeah. think that, you know. Counter-Strike Global Offensive stays the same. Dota 2 down. League of Legends jumped up on this one. So uh, it's, it's interesting to see. I, I think there's something we'll probably come back to on a month-to-month basis just to see how things change. Like, I'm what most intrigues me about this list is the fall of Titanfall. Like, the fact that it went from... I feel like I feel like I can get those numbers. What are these two modes that they covered? Uh, they were the non-popular modes. Oh, so I don't, I don't, I really don't know what they did. Um, it was the basket weaving mode. Yes. Oh, uh, that's my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the garden, the underwater mode. version. 
Oh, here we go. Here's March 2014. Let's see. Titanfall was all the way up to... 14. 14. So it only made it to 14 in its launch month and then dropped off nothing. Are they still uh, supposedly going to try to do a campaign? I don't know anything about that anymore. Because then that might, you know, people might... But geez, look at the drop of World of Warcraft. Wow. From 1 to 4? And from 9.3... Yeah, it went to second in the uh, down to uh, eight point five. Like hey, that's a, sort League of, been, of Legends, man. But it's been a steady market for forever. Yeah, people yeah, well, just can't get legends, enough of pandas ESO, and mouse. <laughs> other things. Um, yeah, ESO was probably that hit. Yeah, same mm-hmm. audience. People jumped to ESO for a month and then went back to WoW. Well, that free yeah. month was gone. Goodbye. <laughs> yep. Um, AMD Catalyst fourteen point six beta drivers released. Now, um, they add uh, Watchdogs performance uh, improvements, of course. And I think most interestingly, mixed resolution Ifinity. So no longer do you have to have monitors with the same resolution uh, to run a multi-panel mode. So say you have a one of those 2560 by 1080, 21 by 9 monitors, you compare that with uh, a another 1080p or two more 1080p monitors you could do that in you know one in portrait and two in landscape and they give you these setup options right where you can uh crop off the extra height of a monitor or the you know something that doesn't match up or you can over render and you know just kind of be missing some space in it that's pretty cool which is actually really really cool yeah I want to see if you can mix and match uh, portrait and landscape resolutions, if it actually get, lets you just sort of pick what resolution you want, screen one to be, screen two, screen three. I, think you I don't know, but I think you can. Yeah, I have not had a chance to test it, Yeah, um, but I can think of uses for that. I'd be curious to know, like, if you can do four monitors, or I know you can do five with portrait mode, like five portrait. Can you do five just with whatever and maybe can you just arrange monitors in any fashion you want to make as close to a square as possible with these weirdly awesome articulating <laughs> arms yeah. that you have on the wall behind you um, and make some kind of cool display out of it it would be pretty interesting uh, but other than that performance improvements and uh, what else did they add uh, JPEG decoder to Kabini there's something else they added for oh Mantle for um, uh, mobility parts so APUs, mobile APUs will have, mm. will have Mantle support. So there is that. You can get it now at their oh. website. And I guess that was the, all the second post kind of pointed out was it showed more. Well, the other thing that I thought was kind of impressive, uh, Star Swarm on a mobile 8970, they're claiming a 274% gain. It's not just a little improvement. <sighs> I hate that crap because it's not a game. It's not no, a game. No, it's not. But still. It's not a game. Quit quoting benchmarks from a Mantle demo. Like, eh. like, nobody goes, oh, man, I can't wait to get home and run Star Swarm again. See if my calls per second went up in frame times. I don't, I don't know. Uh, come on. We just announced a new 3D Mark II. So Indeed. what do you say? Rumor, new Intel Core i7 Haswell E processor specs leak. Jeremy, uh, what's your favorite processor leak of these three? Oh, it's got to be that low end if the price is right. I, that uh, 5820K, this six here? cores, 3.3 gigahertz. If it's going to be at a comparable price with one sixteen by an 8 by and a 4 by uh, PCI Express, 
this could be really freaking impressive. If the 5930K is at a decent price, it's not so much the bump from 3.3 gigahertz to 3.5 gigahertz, it's that extra 16, or the extra four PCIe lanes. So you get two 16 buys and one 8 buy. Hmm. The higher end, the 5960X, is not going to be cheap. We, we know this, but yeah. we can accept it. And hey, an extra, a full 8 cores, you do clock back down to 3 gigahertz, yeah. and you do have the same 216 by and 18 by, but at the same time, that's an extra 2 cores. So if you're running multi-threaded applications, you're going to notice a difference. That's an interesting... It's an interesting trade-off. 5960X yep. with 8 cores at 3 gigahertz, or 5930 with 6 cores at 3.5. Which is a significant difference. Yeah, 500 megahertz is a lot. Um, yeah. yeah. But, to fit, you know, you're, you're adding 33% more cores. So you're assuming, you know, I don't know. I mean, it depends. If, if, if you do gaming that is not as heavily multi-threaded... Right. And you don't do a lot of you know content creation, then it would make sense to get to fifty nine thirty, and if higher you get, frequency and and still have six cores, twelve threads. And if you get good enough cooling to the eight core part, you can probably. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. taking you could overclock. It's any probably of these. just a matter. Of, well, but what I mean is, it's the fifty nine thirty may be maxed out or close to it. Maybe, yeah. yeah. And you might be able to yeah. get you might be able to get the eight core part up to the same frequency, just provided you have enough cooling and power. I mean, it's. 140 watt TDPs, yay! Yeah, well, what could you expect? <laughs> and support for DDR4, hey? Yeah, that's right. That'll uh, be cheap when it comes DDR4, out. DDR4, yeah, it's going to be DDR4. DDR4. Do they? All, I'm assuming they're all hyperthreaded. Uh, yeah, I'm sure they are. Oh yeah, they don't have all E parts. They're Haswell E. Yeah, I think they will be. That's. I mean, that's a lot of at least virtual cores, even for the six core part. Yeah. Hell yeah, man! It's we got 20 threads. virtual cores on our system. Not yeah. enough. It's I not mean, enough. Ken says not enough. Well. <laughs> Uh, so expect that. That's not. That's like late 2014, maybe, right? Yeah, I think so, right? Yeah, when they start feeling pressure to release them so for never. some reason, they just got them sitting in a warehouse next to <laughs> next to the Ark. Yeah, nine months in storage because you know what? CPUs perform better when they're finally aged. Yeah, that's finally aged. Point, aged. Yeah, in uh, oak boxes. Speaking mm-hmm. of expensive hardware, uh, Nvidia finally officially released. The GeForce GTX Titan Z graphics card today. <sighs> this is the $3,000 dual Kepler GK110 part. It's a triple slot graphics card, two full GK110s, total 5,760 CUDA cores, 448 texture uh, units, 96 ROPs, and 12 gigs of memory on a 384-bit memory bus each. There is um, for the price of two 295X2s. So, so wait, is this exactly, like, per the specs, is this exactly two of the Titans, or it's, what? It's two Titan Blacks, except for the clock speeds. Okay, so which are what? So the clock speeds are lower here. So you're... Okay. So the, the base clock speed is 705, boost clock speed 876. So Titan Blacks, let's do the simple math. Titan Blacks are 1,000. Yeah. Two of them is, spec-wise... $2,000. $2,000, and a little bit better mm-hmm. than this mm-hmm. and you even get extra ports because you have a second second titan card bar. yeah because if you want to drive two 4k panels okay, you have an extra ports. you need two display ports you right do. which yep. you can't do with this three thousand dollar card that is a, but this one only card. takes up three slots alan instead of four yeah only well yeah. actually evga makes a water-cooled version of it which only they takes up two i think here. right yeah. yeah you're not thinking far enough ahead alan which is oh wait is it just two or is it it's two two titan z's 
Well, yeah. there's one of them that has a backplate that's three. But two Titans. Yeah, this is the water cooled one. That this one is the three. Yeah. This okay, is wait. The three slaughter. Ken just said two Titans. Okay, but wait a minute. Now you get two display ports. But <laughs> but let's com- so that's six thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. But let's compare that to four Titan Blacks. Can you do that or no? Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can do quite a lot. For $4,000. It's a lot more heat in your case. It's and a lot then, more, wait, it gets better. And then you have $2,000 extra dollars to build the entire system. You can't do what? quad SLI with four Titans. You can. No, there's you can't? no way. No, you can do triple SLI with single cards, or you can do quad, can do quad with quad two doubles. Why couldn't you do quad why, SLI? Why couldn't you do quad with... Look at the connections. You can only do triple SLI. No, I'll be back. No, no. We don't Single have a Titan Black first. We have nope. Titan. Ken has, Titan Black has two SLI connectors. You can do four-way that You way. just need a four card. Yeah, but this one doesn't. This one does not, correct. You couldn't do four Titan Zs. You can only do two Titan Zs. Right. right. I'm talking, But I'm comparing that to four Titan Blacks, mm. which, is, which is, again, faster. Connectors. Yeah. Here, here we go. Yeah, Titan does have two yeah. SLI connectors. Yeah, mm. and which is good for... Three connections. No, that's incorrect. No, they make. There's f- no card that has more than two SLI connectors. No, no, no. I know that. I'm just saying that every time we've seen quad SLI, it has been between two dual cards. No, that's not correct. Otherwise, I've looked at multiple motherboard manuals and uh, specs, and I didn't think that you could do quad SLI with single GPU cards. It's something to look up. I could be wrong. I've seen it. Hold on, let me, let me seen, skip I've my 22 Jump Street app. AMD ones. We're going to look like big idiots either way. Well, Hold yeah. <laughs> Hold on, there's a video. Okay, there's one. There's four. Well, yeah, okay, but they're Bitcoin mining. That doesn't count. And oh, then he has... where does that... Was that that special EVGA bridge? No, that's an Asus bridge. Yeah. Oh. That's a gigantic We have bridge. one of those. Yeah. But look at, look at how badly have, it renders everything. I have a quad. Everything. I have a quad. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. Look, yeah. they're running Crisis 3. Did oh, I'm so wrong. I'm sorry. Yeah. Ah, Look, now they're running 3 Look up. how many frames per second that is. <laughs> oh, they should play Star, Star Swarm, though. Oh, man. Okay, <laughs> so, so I guess my point is that what's in that video right there, right? Because those are Titan Blacks, right? Or are they just Titans? They were just Titans, I think. Okay, so if you had a video like that with, yeah, with four Titan Blacks, right? Ooh. Just go, go to my shot here, Ken. So, four-way yeah. SLI... I'm so dumb. That's okay, okay so, so back to my original point. Four Titan Blacks would cost $2,000 less. Yeah, but you don't care about the money. And would, yeah, and if, would in theory, it would perform better. If you're spending $4,000 or $6,000 on video cards, who cares? Uh, it's just... <laughs> think you're just throwing away two grand at that point, though. Yeah, but if you're buying $6,000 on video cards, you probably don't care about $2,000. The, the or you work is, for a living and you're buying a quadro. So now here's yeah, why so, aren't you buying Teslas at this point? So here's here's the thing. Let me let me go back to because Teslas story. have no display output. Um, but you shouldn't like this card. AMD, AMD, Nvidia is smart enough to understand that even though they want gamers to buy this card, it's three thousand dollars. Yeah. And as a pure gaming card, the R nine two ninety five X two presents a much better story. It is half the price. And I would say is going to be a faster overall solution. It's not maybe it's not as clean. Yep. It's two slots plus you have this water cooling part. Yep. Um, and maybe you have concerns about Crossfire versus SLI, whatever it is. Um, but they have addressed a lot of that. So I think if you're a if you're if you're a uh, a budget minded <laughs> rich guy gamer, 
<laughs> you're like, I'm okay spending a couple thousand dollars. So if you're a poser, cards. got it. Right? If you're, if, if you're like, I'm okay spending a couple thousand dollars on video cards because I'm only going to do it once every four years or something like that. Sure. Then I would say if you're going to do $3,000, buy two 295X2s. Um, yeah. Unless... Unless you're fatality, then you can buy those every year and still stomp everyone's ass well, in games. The, the, buy them. They'll give them. No, he just gets them. Well, true. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Titan Z is just, you know, I think, you know, because NVIDIA is, like I said, NVIDIA is smart enough to know that that's a tough sell for an enthusiast market. So they're going to sell this to CUDA developers. They're going to sell this to educational institutions that are, because it's fully double precision floating point enabled. It's not oh, like so it's seven the full, eight. okay. Right. So this is, is really going to be targeted at those mindsets, right? And they'll sell some to system builders who are selling ten and $12,000 computers where they can put one or two of these in there. And it's, you know, they're put, some, some rich guy's putting a checkbox in. I'm ordering my computer right after I order my new F, you know, whatever Ferrari. Sure. And, you know, I'm just going to do this at the same. These are on two different browser tabs. So let's just get this done. <laughs> Basically, what you're saying is you buy it if you don't have time to do the research. Yeah, or you just... Like some people just want or you that just thing. Want the bigger? Boop. Yeah, you just yeah. yeah. You want to say I got that Titan Z ish? Yeah, how many? Right? How many? What kind of Titan do you have? I got the Z. When we go to QuakeCon, yeah, we'll I see how many Titan people Z. have a Titan Z. <sighs> maybe three. That'd be my guess if I had to pick. And guess three. Three. I think that's overshooting. You think that's overshooting it? That's how we shall see. The yeah, the one guy see. that wins the case mod contest might have <laughs> one. <laughs> So that's Titan Z. It will be available soon. Something, something, something. Corsair brings blazing performance to the masses with budget-friendly 4-series LX SSDs. So these, just from a quick glance, uh, looked like they were using it was a really, really uh, low-cost controller. Uh, Silicon Motions yeah. SM2246EN. And that's probably where they're getting most of their cost savings, actually. Just <laughs> from the controller they're using? They're just going with a really low-cost controller. It looks like it still performs well. Um, right. You know, I, I, it's any any controller you buy nowadays is probably still going to be able to saturate. As compared to the J Micron B versions uh, uh, of the, the, all uh, those years ago, six one two B, one hundred thirty nine dollars yeah. for the two hundred and fifty six gig version of that. So that's right out of the gate, like what fifty, a little over fifty cents a gig. Well, it's a little bit over MSRP. Yeah, they were going for one thirty and okay. uh, seventy five for the one twenty eight. That's gig. nice. See, and they're just slightly over launch. that. Seeing SSDs launch at fifty cents a gig, yeah, we could be at ten cents by that's the end of twenty fifteen. Yeah, well, maybe that's a maybe ten yeah. cents per gigabyte. You till the end of next year? Yeah, yeah, that's. I think it might be possible. Ten cents. End of twenty fifteen? Yeah. Oh yeah, clearly it'll be it'll be, it'll be, it'll be a nickel uh, <laughs> for the whole SSD. Not per they'll gig. actually just give them away. <laughs> That's just away. So if they'll in, save money if they just give them away. Right. Fact, if you're so. looking for budget-friendly SSD, there is another. We have option. all these wafers. That's full of so well for OCZ, Josh. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's get into our last story here. Um, Intel announces partnership with Rockchip to produce low-cost x86 Atom SoC. So Rockchip is a f- actually a very big name in the ARM SoC market, especially in China and Asia, um, that whole region. They're not really well known here in the states. Um, so here's what's interesting about this. Intel is going to work with Rockchip to produce an SOC based on x86 processing cores, and then there will be an Intel-branded version of it that Rockchip will then take to its 
partners and customers and friends and family in uh, in China, and um, you know, sell it. It's going to be made at TSMC. It sounds kind of familiar, though. Wait, wait, wait. It's low power x86 part from Intel. Mm-hmm. Isn't that this is going to be lower power than what Bay Trail is? What about Atom? Well, Bay Trail is based on Atom. This is going to be an Atom branded part. Oh. Uh, it's but and then they talked about the graphics in it um, from Intel's press release. Under the terms of the agreement, the two companies will deliver an Intel branded mobile SOC platform. The quad core platform will be based on Intel Atom processor core, integrated with Intel's 3G modem technology. But why can't Intel just do this themselves? Okay, here's why. Well, oh, how, how many how many manufacturers like to get a single source Zero. for any of their parts? Zero. Uh, None. None. And so. Intel is is going with Rockchip, who makes very low cost SOCs that you know decent technology, very popular in China, a rather rather large market, and so uh, they get another partner to do second source or primary source for a lot of these low cost things that Intel may not necessarily want to do. They don't want to dip into those kind of margins. But Rockchip doesn't mind because they already are there and they exist perfectly fine. And Intel finally gets a solid footprint of x86 tablets, cell phones that they have been struggling for for the past several years. Yeah, But it's a very, very weird world. Because not only is Intel doing that, but they're letting Altera into their fabs to make ARM chips. It's a changing world, isn't it's, it? It's just weird. When I first read this, I thought it was going to be a little bit more dramatic, like they were making the rock chip arm SOC on Intel Fabs, or yeah. they were going to have an Intel-branded ARM-based part, like an Atom. I don't know. It was weird. but Yeah, but how many people have an x86 license? AMD, Via, Intel? Yeah, well, Via Intel, still? they... Intel, Intel doesn't have a license. Yeah, they invented the damn thing. So. They are the license. They should have went with Via. They should have called yeah. Via, clearly. <laughs> They're not doing anything. They could have called him up. <laughs> so All right. Nice. Uh, let's get into our hardware software picks of the week so we can round up this episode. Mine is that very same Asus PB287Q monitor that we talked about earlier in the show. Unfortunately, it's not available to purchase yet. Which I do think uh, it actually makes me a little bit nervous. Um, oh, it's coming! Come on, it makes me nervous because it could it could come out and be seven hundred and fifty dollars instead of six hundred fifty dollars, uh. or they could have fifty of them on a truck and they sell out in ten minutes and nobody ever gets to see it. Uh, but I, th- you can, I think if the price gets driven high, it might just be because the demand for that is greater than the Samsung part. Yeah, yeah, and I don't want to see that to happen. I want it to be at six hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah. I want it to be something that people can actually get and see for themselves. It's it's a cool part. The uh, ASUS website is up for it. You can see here all of these are uh, not actual viewing angle shots. Please don't be because <laughs> the color does not look like that. The color at that looks angle. amazing at these angles on the photos uh, on the site, and also that is not how big the pixels are either uh but hey they're just trying to demonstrate things and look magic um i'm really excited i'm t- i'm not excited to have to send it back but i am excited to kind of really fully integrate it into our into my workflow like i'm gonna replace monitors and maybe i'll put both of those i'll put the samsung and the asus kind of up there on my desk just try to use yeah, them just try to use them that's what i'm interested to see is how like for even longer because i know when we did the g-sync uh 
the G-Sync panel build mm-hmm. thing. And then I tried to use that same panel as, you know, well, let me see a toy around and see if I can use this to actually be productive and, right. like, write reviews and stuff like that. And it sure. was just, that panel was just too hard on my eyes yeah. to do it. I just couldn't, like, I, I think I lasted, like, two or three hours, gave it a fighting chance, and then I was just like, no, this is, I had to switch back to my other panel. Hey, uh, can, could you change back to this? I want to I see something. See this uh, this kind of description of all the things that it does. So height adjustment, I get that. You see the animation there. Yep. Tilt. Yep. See how it tilts. I get that. And see uh, pivot. How it's pivoted in a portrait. Uh-huh. Could you explain what swivel means? Yeah, it rotates. It, it does not rotate. <laughs> no, it doesn't. No, it does not. It does not <laughs> rotate. Well, yeah, but you got to spin the base at the same time. Yeah, then then it rotates. You got to put the base uh, on a lazy Susan. Then well, you notice there you go. Notice that the swivel photo. It's not actually moving. But it says plus 60 to minus 60, and I don't even I, – I don't understand that. Like, it clearly I does not do that. I don't even. They invented another axis girl. that it does not move in. I, That's I, the Q axis. Maybe I they even, just forgot. Like I even that, asked Asus about this. Is like, if you want me to swivel this, I'm going to break the plastic <laughs> of the case. What did they say? They said, no, it doesn't. And I went, no, you're <laughs> wrong. And then I moved on. I don't know. I'll have, you can go look we at will it after try. the show and, and see. There's, will, but there, but there's, no, there's no fancy little animation there to indicate that it hey, would be... they said it does it. You've got to send it back. It says here on the specs, plus we'll 60 to minus 60. If it's, <laughs> if it's, do, if it's rotating it. the base, you can do it 360. <laughs> That's true. Right? Somebody mislabeled the <laughs> operating just, temperature. Damn it. Just wraps. Maybe the, well, it's kind of a lengthy piece of... Maybe it's plastic? Is it metal? I don't know. No, it's plastic. I mean, we could... Oh, okay. So then we can get it to twist 60 and... Plus 60 and Not without 60. breaking. No, oh. without breaking. Okay. <sighs> Doesn't actually say that in the specs, though, right? I don't. I, I don't really get it. I don't get it. All right, uh, Jeremy, what do you got for us? Oh, I cannot wait for the support calls for this. There's, there's a hack that someone put out. A reg, little registry setting can turn your Windows XP machine into a point of sales machine. Point of sales machines get updates for Windows XP. Your machine doesn't unless you pay money to Microsoft. Wow. So you're running a system that has to run XP. And you refuse to move off of XP because it is system mission critical. And you can't redo the app. So this is how you're going to secure it? Even better, there's another way to do it for the 64-bit. And I'm pretty sure there are no 64-bit point-of-sales terminals out there. I could be wrong. I would ah, be shocked if maybe. I am. It's it's not just that it's point of sales terminals. It's Windows embedded, and that's, there's probably a 64-bit product of Windows embedded. That yes, there is. At some so, the, point. so this is just the key that I guess Windows Update uses to see what version of. Yep. Oh wow, that's awesome. So now yeah, we can, same sort we of can hack still get did when you prove that you had a legitimate machine by changing one little registry key. Wow. So it's like, no, I'm a point of sales term terminal just give me updates i'm embedded I, this won't screw anything up at all ever <sighs> zero qa i can't wait for this to start happening because i guarantee you it will the cat and mouse will never end <sighs> all right josh what's your pick i hear you like big racks dog <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes yeah so triplight uh you know i just uh, installed uh, multiple uh rack servers in there it's got the square holes quick uh quick pop-ins square holes. nice construction very airy decent design it's a little expensive i have to say i've never really worked with rack mount stuff like we I, when i did colo i did a little bit it yeah we know you make it, them out of plywood it scares me it, it bothers me that that a metal cage is 815 dollars yeah 
The, I, I, it's a lot of metal. The, the but you know what? The only people who need racks are those who are willing to 3, afford it. 3,000 pound capacity? The, the, the real question yeah. is, how Max many of me balls. can we fit in 25 units? How many what? Of I'll, you? I look forward at to testing this. At least seven. <laughs> hmm. Fair enough. Ken's at least a <laughs> seven or eight With or without winter <laughs> So and if you need a rack mount... So, so Josh, is it the did they at least like kind of roundish stamp those squares so that you're not like slicing your hands open trying to? Yeah, I, I had no problems with the uh, the squares. She got this lady. Okay. She can tell me all about the rack mount. Mm-hmm. She's telling you about a rack mount. <laughs> wow, that's whoa, whoa. Rapid, <laughs> rapid deployment. Rapid deployment. And she this does without context. Have the rack this is very mounts. bad. Vendor neutral design. So what's her face from the Daily Show? No, no, that is not. All right, well, that was a very boring video. So. Yeah. All right, uh, Alan, you're last. My pick of the week is for Josh. Oh, boy. Okay. It's totally for Josh. He needs one right now. I'm sure they would have let this on the airplane. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's the uh, Wanger. Uh, I forgot the name of it. What is it? Giant Knife. Just just Giant Knife. Just, don't, <laughs> just get rid of, you know, just the silly product names or whatever, and just go for Giant Knife, because I guess uh, you know, Vic- I... Victory Knox was probably had their model of, like, their really large one, but the Winger one's like, yeah, no. We That's just want... not going to fit in my pocket. Yeah, we just saying. <laughs> you probably need a is backpack. really a thing? So, we were it looking is, at yeah. this on Amazon last night. It's only $1,350. Yes. That's primable. like half price. It's primable. Yes, you can get it tomorrow with Amazon Prime. Well, I mean... What do you do with that? At what don't you, you show do with it to your friends? Have friends? Did that have a tuning fork on it? No, yeah, they it's... were just they were just tapping on the blade and to show that it's a hardened steel. It's got dental picks. Are they making oh. music with it? No, uh, I don't have. I guess. I have got a magnifying so. glass, bottle opener, it's cigar cutter. Mm-hmm. Oh, See, and they just up. opened a bottle. See, how how easy would it be to use the scissor attachment? Not very. <laughs> Almost impossible? This is dumb. Uh, well... This is the Swiss Army knife for the guy that bought the two Titan Nexus. Yes, yes. Notice they're they're advertising nice watches, but not (sighs) super expensive ones. Email a friend. Let's send it to Josh. I like the nail clipper. (laughs) (laughs) It weighs two pounds. Of course it does. Eight... 8.3, 8.75 8.3, inches long. You can develop. Oh, you know how many windows you could break with that? Designed to fit the it. contours of the human hand yeah. perfectly, which creates a firmer grip and makes yeah. every knife safer and more precise. You have your so two, is a two by four. If your hand you is like <laughs> and then you just lay this on top of one, and it's about as long. I mean, yeah. where's the harmonica attachment? Oh, it's in there. It's the whole center. You just open up everything, and then you can just just blow. don't cut you, your face. You open. blow. You cut you your face. You tune it by yeah. opening and closing various <laughs> attachments. <laughs> All right. That is going to round out uh, today's episode. Thank you, everybody, for joining us uh, either in live form or recorded form. If you want to watch us do the show live, I highly recommend it, pcper.com slash live. If you want to find our schedule, you can see it on the right-hand side of every page at pcper.com. We record on Wednesday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. Or, like I said at the beginning of the show, go to pcper.com slash subscribe to sign up for our mailing list. And we'll let you know whenever we do other similarly exciting and awesome live streams otherwise pcpro.com slash podcast is where you can find our show notes links to all the stories we talked about um uh, downloads for the mp3 files uh youtube embeds anything like that you can find at pcpro.com slash podcast and we would love it if you would share this with your friends uh or your family or your co-workers or um you know make uh burn a cd of it and leave it in 
everywhere. Cars, right? You know, leave it like on the hood of their car. Public transit. You mean like malware-infected jump drives in parking lots? Yeah, that's fine too. I don't care what else you put on there with it. I just as long oh. as it's got our, as long as it's got the podcast on it, uh, I'm fine with that. So uh, thank you everybody who joined us live, and thank you everybody for listening. We really appreciate it, and uh, I guess we'll be back next week probably. Same bat time. I, I guess with content. Next week is Computex, right? Yes. It is. It is happening. None of us are going, but we're gonna we're gonna cover the news from the show as we normally would. Uh, so be prepared. Be prepared for that. PCPro.com, All your Computex news awesomeness probably. I don't yeah. know. There PC, might. There yeah. may or may not be some Computex. Maybe. Jeremy, you're not going on vacation or anything during next week, are you? I wish. No, I'm just going to be working my tushy off. That's right. You are. There. There, right there might be some storage stuff announced at Computex that we happen to have a review of as it gets announced. We will probably that. Hopefully. That's probably going to happen. So We will see. Pay attention. A lot of stuff happening next week. So expect next week's podcast to be even shorter. I'm Ryan Shroud. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm really stinking tired. And I'm Alan Malatano. 